the source of our faith. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And as we receive the word by faith, it becomes a lamp to our feet and a light to our pathway. You know, the Bible also says that this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So as our faith is increased, we experience more and more victory in our lives. And that's why I want you to pay attention to this important message. I want you to rid yourself of all distractions, let everyone around you know, I want no interruptions. I'm gonna be focusing in on the Word of God. In fact, I'm raising my spiritual antennas so that I can tune into the heavenly frequency upon which God is broadcasting so that I can become a recipient of the words of life and receive direction and strategy and solutions from our Heavenly Father. And so uh, I want you to do that. And uh, I also, because we're going in deep today, I want you to prepare to take some notes on whatever device uh, you have available. And then I'm also gonna encourage you to use the chat box as your virtual voice. If we say anything that resonates with you, that speaks to you, anything that constitutes a light bulb moment for you, then I encourage you to shout and even scream in the chat box. Throw up your amens, uh, make a statement, throw up emojis that express your emotion, those fire emojis, let them go up, and let's let the world know that the Word of God is blessing us right now. All right, uh, we, are, we are currently... Uh, at the third installment of our series entitled The Revelation, God's Strategy for Victory. The Revelation, God's Strategy for Victory. And we are going into that third installment right now. Before I read from the scriptures, let us pray. Father, in the glorious name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus, we are so grateful for another opportunity to connect, to share, to learn, and to grow. We are so hungry for you. As the deer pants for the water, our soul is longing after you. We're thirsty for the living God. We desperately need an encounter of a divine nature and an intervention by the Holy Spirit in every area of our lives. And so we're praying today that as the word of the Lord comes forth, it will come forth with clarity, conviction, uh, precision, that it will reach its target in our hearts and initiate a paradigm shift. Father, we are trusting you for a breakthrough and we are looking to you now for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Be glorified in this word, we pray, in the matchless name of the Lord Jesus and all the saints that love the Lord God said, Amen. Let your neighbors hear you shouting, Amen, right there in your house. So I'm going to be reading from the book of the Revelation, chapter number 12. And those who are students of the Revelation, those scholars that examine uh, forensically the book of the Revelation, uh, will agree that Revelation 12 uh, constitutes a turning point in the story. It's a turning point in the prophecy. It's a pivotal chapter. And uh, we're going to dive into the chapter right now because I am convinced 
that at the level of implication and personal application, there is a strategy for victory in the book of the Revelation, chapter number 12, for you today. I'm going to be reading Revelation 12 and verse 7 and following. It reads, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Oh, hallelujah. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. And all the people of God said, Amen and Amen. Well, this is a very powerful reading uh, from Revelation 12 describing a war in heaven. My subject today, the war in heaven. The war in heaven. This uh, chapter describes a war between Michael, who is an archangel, uh, and his forces against the dragon uh, who is identified here as that old serpent, the devil and Satan, and all of the devil's angels, the demonic forces, there is a battle between Michael and the dragon and Michael prevails and he casts the dragon and his angels out of heaven. They come down to the earth and seek to persecute the believers, but the believers overcome him by the blood of the lamb. They overcome by the blood. So this is a very powerful reading, loaded with lessons, packed with principles. It is full of symbolic meaning. And we're gonna dive into some of that symbolic meaning today. But I want us to notice, first of all, the relationship between heaven and earth. When the Bible talks about heaven and uh, earth, it is really talking about the spiritual and the material or physical realm, the spiritual world and the physical world. I know that many of us were traditionally taught that heaven is a place over yonder, uh, you know, a place where there's clouds and, and people floating around and playing harps and so forth. Biblically, there, are, there is a spiritual reality. There is a spiritual world. And there are dimensions to that spiritual world. And every material thing ultimately came out of the spiritual world so that the spiritual world is the first cause of every material thing. You understand what, what I mean by first cause. 
I mean that if you see a tree, you know, the tree came from somewhere, came from a seed. That seed came from somewhere, came from another tree. And that tree came from somewhere, came from a seed. And so if you keep on going back, you're going to get back to the first cause. And the first cause is the word of God. God created all things by the word of his power and by his intention, he spoke things into being so that things which are seen are not made of things which do appear. Everything uh, that we experience in the physical world came out of the spiritual world. When the Bible says that there was a war in heaven, it's important for us to realize that there are three heavens described in the New Testament, three heavens described in the New Testament. The first heaven is, is the sky. It's the sky where the birds fly, the birds of heaven. It's the atmosphere. Uh, but then there is a second heaven, which is where angels and demons operate. They operate in that second heaven. And we see here a war in heaven and there are angels and demons. Well, that's the realm of the dimension of spirituality where angels and demons operate. We even see this in the book of Job, where all the sons of God came before God, that is all of the angels, and Satan came among them. So angels and demons operate in this place called the second heaven. Then there's a third heaven that Paul describes in the books of Corinthians that is the paradise of God. It's the throne of God. It is where God's perfect will is always done. Jesus taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's perfect will is done in heaven, but that's in the third heaven that is in the paradise of God. It is where the throne of God is. God's perfect will is done there. That realm is another realm that uh, is occupied by angels and demons. And beneath that is the physical world that we experience through our body. So it's interesting to note that as a tripart being, as a tripart being, being composed of spirit, soul, and body, every human being is made up of spirit, soul, and body, is a tripart being. It's interesting to note that we experience the first heaven through our body, but we experience the second heaven through our consciousness, through our mind, uh, in, in our soul or our suke. And we experience the third heaven in our spirit. And it's important for us to note this. And I know that we're going fast and I did try to tell you to take some notes because we're diving in deep today. We experience the second heaven, which is the realm where angels and demons operate through our consciousness, through our thoughts, through our imaginations and in our soul, in the soulish part of us. That's how we experience the second heaven. Uh, Paul even taught that, that demonic strongholds express themselves in our imagination when he said that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and that they would cast down imaginations. So where are these demonic strongholds? They're in our imagination, in our, in, in our mind, in our consciousness, which is how we experience that realm where angels and demons operate. We experience that realm of spiritual reality through our consciousness. And that's pretty much how, how the devil makes war with you.
He makes war with you by planting a suggestion in your mind. You entertain the suggestion, it becomes a scenario. You start believing the scenario, it becomes a stronghold. And so there's a journey from suggestion to scenario, from scenario to stronghold. By the time it becomes a stronghold, you literally have to use spiritual weapons against it in order to demolish it because it becomes a bastion, a tower of belief systems in your mind that make it impossible for you to, to be, do, and have all that God intended for you. So when the Bible says that there was, there's a war in heaven, the only how you will experience that war is in your consciousness, in, in that realm of thought and thinking. And this is a war between angels and demons, and the good news is that the angels win. Can I say it again? The great news is that the angels win. Can I say to you that your angels will defeat your demons? Somebody need to shout amen. Your angels are ultimately going to defeat your demons. And uh, I also think it's worth in my introduction stating that the word angel comes from the Greek angelos, angelos, which means a messenger. And so the primary function of angels is to deliver messages to us. Angels minister to us by delivering messages to us or giving us thoughts and ideas and by planting an idea within us. In the same way, demons are fallen angels and they war against us by delivering messages, frightening messages, fearful messages, intimidating messages, discouraging messages. Those thoughts are really coming from this dark domain of demons and devils. And I'm sure you've experienced this at times in your life. Perhaps you were going through a very difficult time. Perhaps it was a painful time for you. And then suddenly in the middle of it, a thought has come into your mind that has comforted you, a thought that has strengthened you, a thought that's empowered you, a thought that caused you to believe I can get up and go again, a thought that said to you that somehow God is in control of this and I'm going to get through this okay. That, my friends, is the fundamental ministry of angels in your life. Angels minister to you by planting God thoughts in your mind. At the same time, I'm sure you've also experienced, uh, you know, being on the verge of some victory, about to break into a, a new dimension, maybe just moving along well in life, and suddenly the most frightening, fearful, intimidating, threatening thoughts just begin to visit you, perhaps in the night, perhaps first thing in the morning, and you just get this sense that everything is about to go wrong or that God is not in control or that God doesn't even exist. That, my friends, is the activity of demons. And when those negative thoughts come up in your mind, you need to know how to take authority over them in the name of Jesus 
and say, devil, you are a liar. Get out of my mind. Get out of my house. Get out. Try it right now. Just say in the name of Jesus, I bind every negative thought. I bind every demonic suggestion. Those suggestions will not become scenarios in my mind and they will never become strongholds for me. In Jesus' name. And all the people said, amen. And so these are the implications and applications of the war in heaven because for all of us, all of us experience a war in our thought life, a war in the battleground of the mind where our good and best and encouraging thoughts are fighting against our darkest, most fearful and anxious thoughts. And that war is going on in the realm of our consciousness and there comes a day, there comes a time when your angels defeat your demons and you arise from that situation knowing and having that feeling that everything is going to be all right. Can I hear an amen? Well, I want to take it a bit deeper now that we've laid a foundation and given some context to this. And I want to explain why it is that this war was happening in heaven. There's a reason why there was this raging battle between angels and demons. And the reason is documented in the opening verses of chapter number 12. In the opening verses of chapter 12, we are introduced to uh, a set of symbols, uh, a vision. And it goes like this. Uh, John saw a woman, a woman clothed in celestial glory. She shone like the sun. The moon was there, 12 stars. She is clothed in celestial glory. She is seated in heavenly places. And this woman is pregnant. She is expecting, she is carrying, and she's about to deliver a man child, a male child. This woman is pregnant. She's sitting in heavenly places. She's pregnant. She's about to bring forth a man child. Then he sees the dragon, this red dragon waiting by the woman to devour the child. He is, he is waiting to devour the child. Now that is powerful biblical symbolism. It is the most remarkable biblical symbolism and we'll try our best to dive into it today. Now, those who study Revelation for strict interpretation have come up with different theories about who this woman is, who she represents. Some will say the woman is Israel. Others will say the woman is the church. Some will say the woman is the new Jerusalem. And others yet will say the woman is Mary, who brought forth Jesus. Well, I'm going to depart from looking for a strict interpretation today and I'm going to dive into the implication and application for you because I want to tell you in no uncertain terms that today this woman who is sitting in heavenly places clothed in celestial glory and majesty, pregnant and about to bring forth greatness, about to bring forth something that's going to change the game entirely. That woman is you, child of God. 
You are the one that is pregnant with a possibility that could change the world. You are the one that is carrying destiny and greatness in the womb of your imagination and in the womb of your prophetic purpose. You are the one that is carrying an idea that will change the game. You are carrying an initiative that will change the game. You are carrying a concept in you that will raise the bar. You are the one that is pregnant with a prophetic purpose. Because you see, my friends, you are the one that is sitting in heavenly places with Christ, clothed in celestial glory, and yet carrying a deposit that God has made in your spirit. Now, I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it is that book that God put in your heart. Maybe it is the song that he put in your heart that's about to be sung. Maybe it's a whole album of songs. Maybe it's poems and poetry. Maybe it's some other form of art. Maybe there is a business that God put in you that is going to become a lifeline to many in this generation. Maybe a social enterprise has, has been deposited in your spirit by the Holy Spirit of God and you've been carrying it in some cases for years. You're pregnant with it and you're about to deliver it. It could be a ministry. Whatever it is that God has deposited in you is about to be delivered in Jesus' name. And the reason for the war in heaven is that the devil is afraid. You think you're afraid. Oh, no, no, no. The devil is afraid. He is not afraid of you. He's afraid of what you're carrying. Because what you're carrying, when you read through the whole of the chapter 12, it will state that this man-child that she's going to bring forth will rule the nations with a rod of iron. In other words, he's going to take over. And the devil is afraid that what God has put in you will change the game, raise the bar, blaze a trail, and, and turn everything upside down or right side up. He is afraid of what you are carrying, child of God. And because you are carrying destiny and purpose and greatness, there is a war in heaven over your life. The reason you are under so much attack, the reason you are under so much fire, the reason you have been targeted is because you have been chosen. I want you to say that I'm targeted because I'm chosen. You see, you are the woman sitting in heavenly places about to bring forth a game-changing revolution, a concept, an idea, an initiative, a venture that is going to change the game. But I've got some great news for you today. I've got some great news for you today. In Revelation chapter 12, the woman brought forth the man-child. And though the dragon tried to devour it, it was caught up to God into a safe place. And when the devil turned against the people uh, of God, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. This is the revelation of victory. And if you're excited about it, I want you to scream. I want you to make some noise in your house, get up off your chair, shout an amen, because the devil will not devour what God deposited in you. 
you will deliver it and it will be safe in Jesus' name. You need to get up and start to make some noise right now. So I'm going to take it a little bit further. I'm, I'm actually going to go in pretty deep. I'm going to dive in pretty deep. And as we dive in deep, then we're going to come up uh, just filled with power and energy for the next chapter of our destinies. You see, Jesus introduces himself in Revelation as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And I want you to know that that is only possible in a circle. It's not possible in a straight line. Only in a circle is the Alpha the Omega. Only in a circle is the beginning the end. Only in a circle is the first the last. And so when he calls himself Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, first and the last, what he is fundamentally doing is revealing something about the circle of God's intention. The circle of God's intention. God will stand by his original intention and no matter how far away you move from it, he's going to bring you back to it. Now, this is why the book of Revelation has striking similarities to the book of Genesis. The first book of the Bible, the Genesis, the last book of the Bible, the Revelation, there are striking similarities between the Genesis and the Revelation. There are things which disappeared in Genesis as a result of Adam's fall that reappear in Revelation as the result of Christ's victory. Christ is the last Adam. He's called the last Adam. So the things which disappeared as a result of the first Adam's fall, they reappear in Revelation as a result of the last Adam's victory. What am I talking about? The paradise of God, the tree of life, the river of life, eternal life. Uh, you know, these things disappeared when Adam uh, fell, but they reappear in the revelation as the culmination of Christ's victory. In other words, God comes back to his original intention. Likewise, the things which appeared in Genesis as a result of Adam's fall, they disappear in Revelation as the result of Christ's victory. What were the things that appeared? Sin appeared in Genesis. Disease appeared in Genesis. The demons appear in Genesis. Death appears in Genesis. Sorrow appears in Genesis. The division and divisiveness of, of nations and people, it appears in Genesis. But when we get to the revelation, there are seven things that shall be no more. There'll be no more dying. There'll be no more crying. There'll be no more pain. Come on, somebody. There'll be no more sea, which represents the division of nations. There are seven things that are going to be abolished. Things that appeared in the earth in Genesis, they are going to be abolished and disappear in Revelation. Why? Because God is always operating within the circle of his intention. And his intention for this planet is going to be fulfilled. His intention for mankind is going to be realized and fulfilled. It's called the restitution of all things.
And the good news for you and I is that God's plan for you has not changed. God's plan for you has not changed. What God started in your life, he's going to finish in your life. Somebody help me scream. What God started in your life, he will finish in your life. He who began a good work in you is able to complete it, to conclude it, to perfect it, and he is committed to bringing you back to his original intention. Now, why is that important? It's important for you to know this. Why is it important? Because the Bible teaches that when the devil was cast down, when he was cast down, he went about persecuting the saints and the saints overcame him by the blood. And this is very important for us to conclude this particular message. It's very important. Listen carefully. When the devil was cast down out of heaven, an announcement was made. The announcement said, now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ because the accuser of our brethren has been cast down and he accused them before our God day and night and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and because they were not afraid to die. They loved not their lives even unto the death. They were afraid of nothing. Let us just unpack it for a moment. Now has come salvation. Now has come strength. Now we see the kingdom. Now the power of his Christ, which is his anointing. Now, when? Now. When? When the accuser of the brethren is cast down. Listen to me, child of God. The accuser of the brethren is that voice that tells you that you are not enough. That voice that tells you that you are not worthy of God's favor, God's mercy, God's grace. That voice that tells you that God has already excluded you from his master plan. That voice that tells you that you are not worthy to bring forth the greatness that is within you. It is that voice that highlights your faults, your failures, your shortcomings, and your imperfections. That voice that is constantly uh, creating a false image of God, that voice that gets you feeling as though you are now the object of God's hot displeasure and the target of his wrath and that any day now it's all going to collapse and something's going to go wrong. It's that same voice that whenever something does seem to go wrong, suggests to you it's because God is upset with you. God is angry with you. God is not with you. God is not for you. These are, this is the voice of the accuser of the brethren. And the Bible teaches that when that voice has been cast down, now salvation has come. Strength has come. 
The kingdom has come and the power of the anointing has come. You see, you cannot experience the joy of salvation while the accuser is creating the consciousness of sin in your mind. You cannot experience the strength of the Holy Spirit while the accuser is telling you that you're not enough. You cannot experience the power of the kingdom of God whilst you entertain an imagination that God is not for you. You cannot operate in the anointing whilst you are entertaining the demonic scenario that God himself is angry with you and is ready to teach you an eternal lesson. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, that voice must be cast down. You have got to finally believe the gospel that Christ Jesus, the spotless, the sinless son of the living God, that he took your sins upon himself and nailed them to the cross. He paid fully and finally your sin debt forever. He paid the debt he didn't owe because you and I owed the debt we could not pay. He took our old tattered garments and gave us his robe of pure white. What does it mean? It means that at the cross, at the cross, we changed places. We traded places. We exchanged places. Christ took our position as sinners and then he paid the debt with his life. But when he took our position, he gave us his position. He took our sins and gave us his righteousness. So that right now in God's eyes, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. And God has done this without compromising his holiness, his righteousness, he has done it without compromise. Why? Because the debt has been paid. You know, Christ is referred to as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. What does that mean? It's a reference to the Old Testament, to the Levitical sacrifices and the Levitical priesthood that Moses introduced to Israel. And here's how it worked. The people were, had sinned. They had broken the covenant. They had broken the agreement with God. And they incurred upon themselves the curses that would befall those who broke the law. But here's what they would do. They would, they would find an innocent animal. The priest would find and inspect an animal to make sure it was spotless. It was blameless. It was innocent. Then he would lay his hands upon that innocent animal and transfer the sins of the nation onto the animal. And as he transferred the sins onto the innocent animal, he would simultaneously be transferring the innocence of the animal to the people. It was the cross. It was a transfer. And then when the animal was slain, that was the judgment for the sins of the people. It was the judgment upon the innocent for the guilty. And when that was done, this now released the nation to experience the blessings of obedience even though they had not been obedient. The only obedience they had was to offer the sacrifice. And so it is, my friends. Jesus is called the lamb that takes away the sins. 
Because what God did at the cross is he took all of your sins, all of your sins, and put them upon Christ. And he took all of Christ's righteousness and put them upon you so that because of the blood, there is therefore now no condemnation for you. So that's how they overcame the accuser. You overcome the accuser not by pleading guilty or by pleading innocent. You overcome the accuser by pleading the blood. And I dare you to plead the blood. The next time the devil tells you you are unworthy, say the blood of Jesus is against you. The next time the devil tells you the reason that went wrong is because God's not for you, you say the blood of Jesus is against you. The next time you find the devil trying to talk you out of a great opportunity, trying to point out your inadequacies, your imperfections, your failures, your shortcomings, you just plead the blood of Jesus and say the blood of Jesus is against you. They overcame him, the accuser, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Listen, I know a lot of people think that has to do with you telling your story about, you know, where you came from and what you came through and how you came out. But that's not the word of your testimony. Your testimony is Christ. Your testimony is Christ. Your righteousness is Christ. Your victory is Christ. Your success is Christ. And see, you overcome the accuser with the word of your testimony. It's about Jesus. It's not about me. You see, I died. I died uh, when I came to Christ. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. God has taken me and put me in Christ. And therefore, Christ is my testimony. Woo! And finally, they loved not their lives even unto the death. It simply means they weren't afraid to die. It means they weren't afraid of anything because once you understand what the blood of Jesus has purchased for you, you lose your fear of failure, of embarrassment, of, of anything that could be thrown at you. You're no longer afraid. You know why you're not afraid? Because you know in your heart of hearts that God is for you. And because God is for me, no one and no thing can be against me. Because God is for me, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Because God is for me, all things are working together for my good. Because God is for me, a thousand will fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand. Because God is for me, the wicked, even my enemies and my foes that came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Because God is for me, I've got a feeling that everything is going to be all right. That's your strategy for victory. Overcome that accuser by the blood of Jesus Christ. You've been listening to a live sermon at ICANN Community Church. We hope that you feel inspired, informed, and empowered to take your life to the next level. We want to build a relationship with you whether you attend ICC or not. Of course, we would love for you to visit or even to join. But if that's not possible, we can still stay in touch. Go to our website at www.icancommunitychurch.com and subscribe to our mailing list 
for updates on special events which may be coming to an area near you. Until next time, this is Bishop Wayne Malcolm saying God bless you.